Well, we're over in the book of Judges. Chapter 8 is where we're going to head over to. We are skipping over the part of Gideon and the battle with the Midianites, and we just recently did that. I think we've done it at least three times in the last ten years. But uh, just once last year we went over that, so we're not going to hit that one again. But there's still a little bit of Gideon's life we didn't quite get into, and so we're going to pick that up in Judges chapter 8. And that's over in verse 22. Now, we've told you before that Judges is the dark period of Israel's history, and this is a, um, not quite as dark as it gets, but it is getting there. This is not a real good section. There is not a whole lot that you take for a how to live in this life. There's a whole lot about how not to live, but not a whole lot about how to live. <laughs> but uh, sometimes we have to learn the other side as well. Verse 22. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. What they're asking for here is for a king. They're asking for Gideon to be their king. They're saying, not only will you be our king, but your son will be our king and your grandson will be our king. Now, that all sounds really, really good, except for the fact that the people of this time frame do not honor their word at all. They don't honor it beyond tomorrow. And there's a reason for it, and we're going to look at some of the reasons for that. And those things we can certainly learn from. But to Gideon's credit, he does turn this down. I'm not going to rule over you. My son's not going to rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you, which is what God had said. He wanted to rule over them. He wanted to be their king. Then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you that each of you, they know they've got uh, goodwill toward them, that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder, for they had gold earrings because they were Ishmaelites. <laughs> there you go. Ishmaelites wear gold earrings. Now, interesting, you all know where the Ishmaelites came from, of course, Ishmael. And uh, you'll notice some things, uh, a real particular interesting scripture. Remember when Joseph was taken captive by his brothers? And you remember who he was sold to? There were Midianites, it says, right? Except that it calls them Ishmaelites. In the very same verse, it'll call them Midianites, and then it also says the Ishmaelites. It calls them both. Now, Midianites came from, who was the father of the Midianites? Well, I'm going back before that. The Midianites are descendants of Abraham. The Ishmaelites are descendants of Abraham. The Israelites are descendants of Abraham. Abraham fathered a lot of nations, folks. <laughs> now, Abraham, of course, had uh, with his wife that he was, the only one he was supposed to have uh, the kid with was Sarah. And we had Isaac by that. Ishmael came from Hagar, which was the, the maid. But then after Sarah died, he married again. And that's where Midian came from, along with a few other nations. So you're going to see, um, uh, he, yeah, he had a lot more kids with her <laughs> than he did with the others. But that's where the Midianites came from. So, but as it goes on down the line here, you're going to, you'll find out that all... All of the Midianites are considered to be Ishmaelites, but not all Ishmaelites are considered to be Midianites. That has absolutely no spiritual significance at all. 
But if you go and you read some of those things and it seems like they're interchanging the phrases, that's why. So anyway, that's why they called them Ishmaelites here. And apparently it was a thing for Ishmaelites to wear gold earrings. I am not an Ishmaelite and there are no earrings on my ears, gold, silver or otherwise. So they answered, we will gladly give them. And they spread out a garment and each man threw into it the earrings from his plunder. Now, the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold besides the crescent ornaments, pendants, and purple robes, robes which were on the kings of Midian and besides the chains that were around the, necks, the camel's necks. In all, I just trust some of the folks that are out there and calculate this stuff up. It's about a half million dollars. Not, a bad, not bad for a day's work there. <laughs> um, in verse uh, 27, Then Gideon made it into an ephod, and set it up in his city, Ophrah. And all of Israel played the harlot with it there. It became a snare to Gideon and to his house. Now there is one ephod, and it was set up in Shechem, where they were supposed to be doing the worship of the Lord. Now by this point, we really don't know exactly uh, what happened to it. This is the, At this point, in fact, uh, in the next chapter, we're almost halfway, not quite, but we're almost halfway between the time of Moses and the time of Saul, when Saul would be made king. When we get to chapter 9, we're just about there. Chapter 8, chapter 9. Well, chapter 9 more so, because chapter 8 can be uh, a number of years behind that. So that's about in the time frame. It's about 500 or so years prior that Moses was and about 500 plus years ahead that Saul would be. So that's about the the time frame anyway that gives you an idea of what's going on here. Um, so he makes this into an ephod. It, now, there's a lot of reasons for why this may have been. It may be that priests may not have instituted the worship, the real true worship back at Shechem as of yet. And because of that, he uh, wanted to get it going, and so he made his own ephod up there. Obviously, he had this in mind, making the ephod, which is why he asked for the gold, because as soon as he got the gold, this is what he made it into. It is also possible that Moses' ephod was destroyed or somehow damaged or whatever it might have been, however it was that the ephod worked. So his intentions may have been good. We cannot say that his intentions at this point were bad. We do know that he, he did hold to what the Lord said to do as far as ruling over them. No, I'm not going to rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. So it wouldn't seem that he's trying to take them away from the Lord by setting up a false worship. But it became a false worship for him, his family, and the folks that were out here. People stopped going to Shechem, and they stayed over here, even though it was not that much greater distance to going over to the true place, so that the temple was not, or the, the tabernacle was not being honored, the Ark of the Covenant, things like that. What we learn from this is that bad results come from not following what God's Word says. We can always find an excuse to not do it exactly the way God said, but bad things come from that. It's kind of like, uh, how many have ever done electrical work at home? Not many. A couple people. You know why most people don't do it? Because <laughs> they don't want to get hurt. <laughs> but if, if you're going to do the electrical work at home, it really benefits you to pay attention to directions. And to do it right, you know, to, to make sure you connect all the, the wires into the right spot. Because if you don't, oh, I tell you what, it can be really bad. Not only could it be shockingly bad, but also it can cause fires and, and all sorts of stuff like that. So uh, don't, don't mess around with stuff. When the Word of God says, this is what you do, this is how you do it, just do it that way.
because otherwise it just comes in all kinds of problems. Even though Gideon may not have meant it to be wrong in the beginning, it turned out to be bad, and it became a stumbling block for them all. You also notice this too, that anytime a substitute is set up, that people flock to it. Remember when um, Jeroboam set up the golden calves as a, uh, an ulterior wor- worship to, to the Lord? People went, the Word of God says people went as far as Dan to worship and didn't go down to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. When people set up a, uh, an imitation, it just seems that people flock to it. Thus Midian was subdued before the children of Israel so that they lifted their heads no more. And the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Then Jeroboam, the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house. Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring. (laughs) 70 sons. We're not counting the daughters. This is just the sons. You cannot, I don't think it's possible to have 70 boys and no girls. There were some girls in there, but we're only focused on the sons for a particular reason. And we'll see that as we go on here. He had 70 sons who were his own offerings, offspring, for he had many wives. Thank God one person didn't have to do all 70, huh? And his concubine, is that a wife? No, who was in Shechem, also bore a son. I'm sorry, I said Shechem for the place of worship. I had Shechem on my mind. It was um, Shiloh. Yeah, I don't Getting too much Shechem on my mind from reading all this stuff. But anyway, that's where the true worship was supposed to go on. Whose name he called Abimelech. Now we're singling him out because he needs to be. But this is a concubine. Uh, apparently, he, he only had one son that we know of or is made known of here is, is the one. And as the story goes on, you pretty much see he just probably had the one son by this concubine. He wasn't a king, but he had concubines. We don't know how many wives he had. We don't know how many concubines he had, but he had 70 sons. Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash, his father, in Ophrah of the Abizrites. So it was as soon as Gideon was dead that the children of Israel played the harlot with the Baals and made Baal Bareth their god. How soon after? As soon as. In other words, he's dead on Thursday. They're worshiping something else on Friday. I mean, as soon as it happened, bam, they're over on the other side. They worship something else. This uh, God here, there's not a whole lot is known about it, but it does seem to be the same God as Jupiter uh, was for the Romans. And what was he to the Greeks? Whatever he was. Uh, was it Zeus? Not Zeus. Uh, uh, who, was, who was Jupiter? Was it Zeus? Zeus? Whoever it was for all those guys. It seems to be the same God. Just changed name, of course. Thus the children of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who had delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side, nor did they show kindness to the house of Jeroboam, Gideon, in accordance with the good he had done for Israel. How many of you ever had people that you'd done some good things for and uh, didn't seem to remember? Yeah, that's pretty much what happened here. He went out and risked his life and brought about a great battle or great victory with just 200 men we know that he only got in faith for a short period of time but he did a lot during that time and the children of israel forgot it verse 1 of chapter 9 then abimelech the son of jeroboam went to shechem to his mother's brothers and spoke with them and with all the family of the house of his mother's father saying please speak in the hearing of all the men of shechem 
Which is better for you, that all 70 of the sons of Jeroboam reign over you, or that one reign over you? How many did Gideon want to reign over them? None. Remember that I am your own flesh and bone. And his mother's brothers spoke all these words concerning him in the hearing of all the men of Shechem. And their heart was inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. More than likely, we're going to be seeing that Abimelech is an Ishmaelite because his mother was one. And so they considered him to be part of them. Abimelech is playing on this identity um, stuff, which we see a lot about today, which is why one of those things we keep telling you about. Everybody wants to get you to identify by race, by sex, by where you work, by what class you are, middle class, upper class. They're always trying to, to, to push you to identify you with one group or another. And then once they do, they want to pitch you against the other groups. It is always wrong. It is never of God. And it is always of the devil. Every single time that you see this, it is of the devil for a purpose. And you're going to see that purpose come about here. Do not ever let that get into your thinking. It is, it is not of God. And I get so irritated by the press, by politicians who constantly try and push this out and push this kind of agenda out because if they do, they get elected or they want to get this group uh, happy with them or whatever it is. Do not let it go on. We don't have presidents. We don't have congressmen. We don't have mayors. We don't have governors that are governors of one particular person or another. They are governors. They are mayors. They are senators. They are representatives. They are presidents of all. Irritates me to no end when a person gets up in front of one group of people and says one thing, gets up in front of another group of people, and says something else. If you get up in front of a woman's group and say all the nice things for the women, and then get up in front of a men's group and say all the nice things about men and, and put down a woman, that is wrong. That means you are inconsistent. That means you do not have character. A person of character does the same thing for everybody, regardless of race, sex, social status, income, or anything else. Just watch it because it's so subtle. I mean, how, many, how easy has it been for us in the past to fall into the smokers and non-smokers to where we despise those who smoke? Why? Because they smoke. <laughs> Do you know them? Have you spent any time to get to know who they are? No, we, we got to, you can't do this because as soon as they start doing that and as soon as they start breaking you up, well, these folks smoke and you don't smoke, don't identify with that group and, and we need to tax those people and we need to come against them and they can't do this and they shouldn't be able to do this here. And as soon as they do that, folks, they're going to come after you for another reason. They're going to divide you up into a group. We got people, you know, there's, there's Christians and especially right now, there's Christians and there's other religions. We, we don't let this go on. People are people. Look at people as, to, as it has been said before, the character of their heart. That's what matters. It does not matter about what group they identify with. It matters about who they are. Gideon had some character. Not a lot. But he had some. The rest of these folks up here have just about none. These are not people that you want to uh, hang your hat with, so to speak. And you're going to see why. They... People that do not have character and that do the things that they'll do is incredible. The, the harsh things that they will do against other people. And there's a reason for it. We're going to see here at the end. Where do we leave off at? Verse 3. They said, He is our brother. We can identify with Him. Do not ever elect 
a candidate because you identify with something about him. Look at what he is. Look at who he is. Look at what he believes. This is what is important. You have got to focus on these particular things because otherwise you get in all kinds of trouble. It's got to be character. They're not going after Abimelech because he's a great guy. Oh, he's a, he's a man of upstanding character. Nope. Why are they doing it? He's our brother. All right, we don't, have his, we don't share his father, but his mother's from among us. So he says, which is better for you? That's an important question. We'll come back to it here later, later on. Which is better for you? That one reign over you or that all 70 do? So they gave him 70 shekels of silver from the temple of Berbereth with which Abimelech hired worthless and reckless men and they followed him. Now, they apparently, you know, they started worshiping this idol after Gideon died and apparently they already have a treasury. And they took out of that 70 shekels of silver and they gave it to him. They didn't ask him what he was going to do with it. They may have known, they may not have known. We don't know. They gave him 70 shekels of silver. He goes out and he finds these worthless and reckless men and they followed him. And he went to his father's house at Ophrah and killed his brothers, the 70 sons of Jeroboam, on one stone. But Jotham, the youngest son of Jeroboam, was left because he hid himself. Now, if you take up the 70 shekels, that, uh, or the, the, the shekels that he was given, and you break it down into a cost factor, he basically paid less than $5 per person that he killed. Imagine putting a hit on people and paying uh, all, all total paying less than $5 per hit. That's about what he did. Kids, 69 brothers. He's not killing the sisters. They're not a threat. That's why they're not in the story. Not that they aren't important. It's just they're, they're not in the story. He's after the ones that could be king because that's what he wants to be. And all the men of Shechem gathered together and all of Beth Milo and they went and made Abimelech king beside the terebinth tree at the pillar that was in Shechem. Abimelech is the first king of Israel. He is really only king over this northern area or this particular area here, this area around Shechem. He is not necessarily king over all of Israel, but he is the first king that, they, that came to them. So if the men of Shechem didn't know what Abimelech would do with the money, they certainly condone his actions by making him king after he killed the brothers. He wiped them all out. If they questioned him on it, he says, well, look, I asked you if you wanted all 70 of us to rule or just me. You said just me, so I went and got rid of them. However it was that he did it. Now, when they told Jotham, he went and stood up on Mount Gerizim and lifted his voice and cried out. And he said to them, listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you. The trees once went forth to anoint a king over them. And they said to the olive tree, reign over us. But the olive tree said to them, should I cease giving my oil with which... They honor God and men and go to sway over trees. Then the trees said to the fig tree, You come reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, Should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go to sway over trees? And the trees said to the vine, You come and reign over us. But the vine said to them, Should I cease my new wine? With cheers, both, uh, with cheer, cheers, both God and men and go to sway over trees. Then all the trees said to the bramble, you come and reign over us. And the bramble said to the trees, If in truth you anoint me as king over you, then come and take shelter in my shade. A bramble does not have shade. 
A bramble is the most worthless of all trees. It bears no fruit. It gives no shade. It has thorns. It's incredibly powerful. It'll rain and it'll rule in just about or, or flourish in just about any soil. But it has absolutely no value at all. But if not, let fire come out of the bramble and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now, therefore, if you have acted in truth and sincerity in making Abimelech king and you have dealt with all well with Jeroboam the, the house and have done to him as he deserves, does he deserve that? Did he deserve to have all his kids killed? For my father fought for you, risked his life and delivered you out of the hand of Midian. But you have risen up against my father's house this day and killed his 70 sons on one stone and made Abimelech, the son of his female servant, king over the men of Shechem because he is your brother. If then you have acted in truth and sincerity with Jeroboam and with his house this day, then rejoice in Abimelech and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come from Abimelech and devour the men of Shechem and Beth Milo and let fire come from the men of Shechem and from Beth Milo and devour Abimelech. And Jotham ran away and fled, and he went to Beir and dwelt there for fear of Abimelech his brother. So for whatever the reason, he got up and he gave this parable, and for you know a little bit of trivia here, this is the first parable in the Word of God. And it's, uh, I, get, I mean, it surely seems to be very much from God. It does have prophetic aspects to it. In fact, actually, quite a, bit, quite a few prophetic aspects to it. I, uh, I don't know that he was a prophet. I don't know that he knew all that he was saying. But uh, if you break this down, the olive tree represents Israel's covenant with God. It is an evergreen tree. It demonstrates God's enduring covenant. And the olive tree itself says, I uh, bless God and men with the oil that it brings. The fig tree represents Israel's national privileges. See that in Mark 11, 12 through 14 and Luke 13, 6 through 8. God preserves the tree because of those who are attached to Him and bear fruit. The vine is Israel's spiritual privileges. John 15, Isaiah 5, Psalm 8, Ezekiel 15. You want to go look at some of those? The wine represents the Spirit. We've known that quite a few times. So we have the Israel's covenant, the national privileges, and the spiritual privileges all represented in this parable. And the, the children of Israel these particular ones that are there anyway, the, the ones in this area, they go to the bramble. They go to the most worthless of trees. It's fit only for burning. There's no fruit. It's not good for anything at all. And it says that uh, he prophesies on this, said, let fire come out from Abimelech and destroy you. And then also fire come out from them and destroy Abimelech. And that's actually how it's going to end up here. After Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years... So he reigned over Israel for three years. Is it God's will that Abimelech reign over Israel? Does God like Abimelech? No. God is not on his side. God does not want him to be king. God does not want anyone to be king. God has not authorized a king over Israel or any part of Israel. Abimelech has just decided to put himself there. Gideon knew better to stay out of that. But for three years, this has gone on. For three years, they've going pretty well and people are probably even thinking about the prophecy that he gave the parable that he gave and said oh, it doesn't seem to be coming about everything seems to be going pretty good God sent a spirit of ill will between Abimelech and the men of Shechem and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech how did Abimelech deal with his own family treacherously and he is going to be dealt with treacherously in return 
what you sow, you will reap. Why well, be real careful? How many have ever seen people that are, are doing well, but they're sowing terrible seeds? Ever see that with people? Does it ever make you mad? How come they flourish and they're doing all this evil stuff? What you sow, you will reap. He, he flourished for three years. Everything seemed to be going just fine. But then, <laughs> you don't worry about it. You just keep on sowing that good seed. You don't worry about that at all. Just know what you sow, you're going to reap. And they will reap that treachery soon. Because, you know, if you're going to be this kind of a treacherous person, it's, it's, it, 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 it um, warps your character. When it warps your character, you're going to attract people of like character. And when you attract people of like character, guess what they're going to do to you? They'll treat you treacherously. They'll turn on you in a, in, a, in a moment if it'll benefit them. That's the kind of people they're going to have around them. But you go on, you, you keep on, you having that character, you having that, those good traits in you, you're going to attract good, solid people. I'll tell you what, it's a whole lot better to have five people of good character around you than 500 treacherous people. A whole lot better. How many people of character did Jesus have around him? Twelve. Actually, eleven. And of the eleven, there was three that kind of rose above that. And he's fine, wasn't he? He's okay with that. <laughs> At one point, everybody left him except for the twelve. And he turned to them and he said, Are you going to leave me too? And they said, Who else has the words of life? See, folks, those are the kind of people that you want in your life because when things get tough, when things get hard, they stay. They stay. They will help you out a whole lot more than all those other hundreds of people. God sent a spirit of ill will between Abimelech and the men of Shechem, and the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with, with Abimelech. Now, again, this sounds terrible because, well, what's God doing with a spirit of ill will sending it to anybody? The view of the people of the Old Testament was that if God did not prevent a thing, he did it. God does not have spirits of ill will. You know where a spirit of ill will comes from? It's real simple. A spirit of ill will comes from people who seek after their own good. It is real easy. If you've got a bunch of people who are seeking after their own good, ill will will spread up quick. Because as soon as they don't get what they want, what, the, what happens? It's, ill will will come up. You, the Bible does not teach self-seeking. What's it teach? Seek the good of the kingdom and the good of others. And God will take care of your needs. That's what it teaches. That's very different from the, from the world. If you seek after that, you, do not, you, you don't have that ill will building up on the inside of you. But people in the world who go after... These kind of things who, who um, you know, if it doesn't benefit me, then I don't want it. Ill will will come up quickly, very quickly, because I'm not getting what I need to get. The spirit of ill will in this country is amazingly high. It, and most of it is because of self-seeking. It's, it's amazing how quick we have come, even Christians, to get into a place of self-seeking. I need to seek after my good, only my good. Then I, I, I was amazed at this. We were, we were working on some um, uh, projects over at the over the house. The uh, month of May is kind of like Christmas for most people. 
for me because everybody wants the bunk bed and everybody wants it now. And so, you know, we're just as fast as we can, just making them up. And, and uh, you know, I gave up hockey a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I, I can't go out and play hockey. I can't make them beds until 10, 11 o'clock at night. And the last night I was standing up till about 11 o'clock, finally finished the last bed, and then got up this morning and put them all together. And they go down to the shore tomorrow, and then a bunch of, a bunch of others. I got five beds going down the shore on Friday and four beds going down the shore tomorrow. And New York wants four, and they're just all over the place. So this is kind of like Christmas. It's just like everybody wants it, and everybody wants it now because the shore is incredibly busy. You know, they're getting ready for the summer, and they have their stuff that they want in there. So we were going through, and, you know, we hadn't gone out and gone grocery shopping. There wasn't a whole lot in the house, and my wife had a coupon for Chick-fil-A. Well, the only Chick-fil-A up by us is over at the mall. So, well, I had to go on over and and pick up some stuff along the way. So I said, all right, I'll go over and pick up this stuff along the way, and I'll stop in there, and I'll, I'll get something. So I ordered something. It was way before lunchtime. You know, we had started early, so we broke at around 11 o'clock. I went out there to get the stuff. And so it was before they really had a um, mad lunch rush. There's only about three people in line. There's about three people taking care of them. I was the next one that was going to be up. So I got up there, put my order in, and uh, waited a little while, waited about five minutes. And, you know, they hadn't gotten to it just yet, but they were they were all working. They were all doing so I just stood there and waited for a little while. And I noticed that on the screen they have uh, their orders. I'd never noticed this before. I guess I hadn't stood there that long or been into a Chick-fil-A for a while. But they go from a green to yellow, and I guess the next color is probably red because the manager came out and says, we've got a lot of yellows up there. How come? <laughs> and so he started getting in there, and he was helping things out, and he was taking care of things. And um, I was still standing there, and uh, eventually they put our stuff in the bag, and they gave me the bag, and he said, I'm sorry you had to wait so long, sir. Thank you for your patience. I'm thinking, it was five minutes. But he said, uh, just, to, just to thank you for it, we, he gave me a coupon for a free sandwich. I'm thinking, are people that impatient that they can't wait five minutes for a sandwich? <laughs> that you have to reward them by giving them a free coupon just so they'll come back again. <laughs> See, that's Ill, that's Ill will that builds up because I'm not being taken care of now. And, you know, we just can't do that sort of stuff. We, we need to have less ill will. Stop. We've got to stop looking out after our own good. Because if you do, ill will will come up. And nothing good comes out of ill will. The press is always trying to get people to look out after yourselves. They find story after story to segregate people, to put people in different groups, middle class, upper class, rich, poor, whatever they're going to uh, try and do. And, and they cover up stuff. How many of y'all know that Trevane Martin thing? Has any, did anybody ever follow it? I know the news media dropped it like a hot potato when it looked like they couldn't exploit it anymore. But you know, ABC not only uh, edited the tape. Did anybody ever hear the ABC tape, the 9-11 tape they aired? Anybody hear that one? They not only edited the tape and cut out parts of it, they actually switched the order of the things that were said. Did you all hear about that? They changed the order and made it sound like it was a racial issue. It was not. When you heard the actual tape, there was no racial element in it. But by the time ABC got done, they had that element brought in. They had a videotape of the guy who was supposed to have shot somebody. And they, they uh, apparently, uh, they did something to, uh, I don't know, what do you call it, magnify or something like that they said they had to do. And they found out that he was actually injured. They finally released his uh, reports and found out that he was banged up all kinds of ways, broken nose and... Um, oh, a few other things, and released details that should have been known immediately. There was no case to it. 
it was pretty much an open and shut case as to what had happened. But they saw an opportunity to divide people into groups and to get people to seek after their own will. We even had a group of people in this country who decided to put a bounty on the head of the person who, who did the shooting. That's not something that people should do or be allowed to do. These are the kind of things that went on. Why did all that ill will develop? Because everyone was, was fed information to seek after their own. You know what you do? Sit on back, let the people that are in charge do their investigation and find out who was wrong. If a person was wrong, certainly sentence them. If there was not anything wrong going on, let the authorities take care of it. Of course, we don't have that going on anymore. Remember back in the, what was it, uh, the, um, oh, that uh, teen that uh, was accused of raping a girl? Found out the whole thing was fabricated and there was absolutely no evidence for it at all, but they had already tried him in the, in the uh, press and found them guilty because they want people to seek after their own, their own good. When you seek after your own good, ill will will come. Stand back, be objective, go in there, find out what happened. If an injustice has gone on, it should be taken care of. Whether a racial motivation was involved or not involved, if it was unjust, unjustly done, it should be taken care of. And punishment should be put out. If not, then it shouldn't be. But we don't uh, necessarily do all those kind of things because we get fired up to be looking after our own interest, our own will, or a group that we can identify with has been hurt. Or somehow we pull all these things in. When ill will comes up, it is tough for God to move because God moves when people look out after the good of others. That's how he moves. Don't let your heart get turned around into that. How many have ever been hurt by other people? Come on, we've all been hurt by other people. Don't let it stop you from helping other people. Don't sit there and say, look what I lost because I helped these people and they turned against me. You didn't lose anything at all. God saw it. God rewarded you. God put it on your account. And you just go on there and be happy as can be because, God, Father God, you saw what I did. You saw the good that I did. And I'm just going to keep on going on and doing more good. But see... The enemy wants us to get caught up into looking after our own selves and protecting our own selves. Then we don't give out anymore. We don't help anybody else. And that's not what God wants. Don't let that occur. Keep going out there. If 20 people burn you, go on out there and find a 21st one. Just keep going. You're not going to run out of stuff. The only way you're going to run out of stuff to give to other people and to, to help other people is if you stop giving out to other people. You're going to have enough goodwill you're going to have enough love. You're going to have enough forgiveness. You're going to have enough joy. You're going to have enough happiness. No one can take all those things away. And the more you go out and you spread that stuff to other people, the more you have. The more you try and hoard it up and seek after, well, I'm just going to make myself happy. I mean, I'm sure none of you folks ever said that, but you ever heard anybody say that? Well, that's it. I'm just going to go out and make myself happy. You can't. <laughs> but you can make yourself happy by doing what God said. Go out there and honor other people. Help other people. Give to other people. You're going to find some people who are going to betray you and they're going to do their own thing because they're self-seeking. That's all right. You gave them a shot. You helped them out. You, you got them to, to try and, and swing on over. You'll find somebody else going out there and helping another person out there. Oh, it'll be good for you. You just keep on going on. God sees exactly what good you have done and God rewards. And when God rewards, He don't do it small. We don't serve a small God in that. You're going to have plenty of joy, plenty of gladness, 
plenty of peace, forgiveness, love. You're going to have all kinds of stuff to give. You just keep on going out there. Don't get caught up in what they want you to do. So this ill will came on in because God didn't stand in the way. And God says, hey, you guys want to go after your own thing? Go after your own thing. See what happens. He knows when people are only seeking after their own good, they're going to come apart at the seams. And that's exactly what happens here. And the, the crime done to the 70 sons of Jeroboam might be settled and their blood be laid on Abimelech, their brother, who killed them, and on the men of Shechem, who aided him in the killing of his brothers. So there were people, there were, of course, the people he took out that aided him in that. As we said, this comes as a result of people seeking after their own good. Their own good. And the men of Shechem set men in ambush against him on the tops of the mountains, and they robbed all who passed by them along the way. And it was told Abimelech. Now Gael, the son of Ebed, we don't know who he is either, came with his brothers and went over to Shechem. And the men of Shechem put their confidence in him. Now look, before Shechem put their confidence in Abimelech, and Gael comes over, and what they do? Put their confidence in him. People who are self-seeking, folks, will not stay true to anyone for very long. Because, well, I, this helps me out now. I'm getting my, my best thing going on if I do this thing. Uh-uh. There's no character to those people. There's no depth to them. So they went out into the fields and gathered grapes from their vineyards and trod them and made merry. Oops, I didn't... Now Gael the son of Abed came with his brothers and went over to Shechem and the men of Shechem put their confidence in him so they went out into the fields and gathered grapes from their vineyards and trod them and made merry and they went into the house of their God and they ate and they drank and they cursed Abimelech. <laughs> Three years of everything going good, everything has been fine and just like that they go out there, they make merry, they have a happy time and they curse this guy. i tell you what, I, I am so glad I didn't get caught up in this worldly mentality. I'm sure you guys are glad for it too. Isn't it good to know that just because you don't enjoy a particular person, you don't have to go out there and make merry and curse them. Mm-hmm. You just go on. You just go on and do other things and then that's all fine. This is a, it's a different mentality. You'll see people in this country. I get so irritated by them, but we just go on and go on. You know, if, if um, a particular TV show, Christian show comes on and the people, some people, you know, like a dozen of them, don't like it. You know what they do? You know, they rise up and they sign petitions. We need to get that show off the, off the air. We need to take that thing down. We need to get that out. You get certain people with this same kind of mindset and they're vegetarians. Are they content to be vegetarians? No. They want everyone to be vegetarians. Everyone has to come on and do this the way we do. We have certain folks that they get into this mindset and they, uh, they're green energy. Everybody needs to be green energy. Everybody needs to drive an electric car. Everybody needs to, you know, whatever it is. It's not content. They're not content with just doing it themselves. They, everybody else has to go along with it as well. You know what? If I don't like a radio show, you know what my response is? I don't listen to it. I don't go for making any petitions so that no one else can listen to it. If I don't like a particular show that's on the TV, I don't turn it on. That's it. I just, I don't turn it on. And there's a whole lot of radio shows out there that I don't like. I just don't turn them. I don't listen to them. It's, but there's a different mentality when people go from, all right, well, I just won't listen to that. Or I just, you know, I, I like eat, to eat meat. I don't make everybody else eat meat. 
If my wife don't want to eat meat, then it's more for me. I'm okay with that. She does every once in a while try and get to me to eat vegetables. I don't respond well to that. She one time, she, <laughs> she said, would you eat some vegetables? And she, she said, I thought I just put three of them on your plate. I said, I'm not eating them now. I might have eaten them before. Now I'm not going to eat them. <laughs> you know, we just don't respond well to that sort of stuff. Right? I don't want people to force me to eat anything. She wasn't forcing me. We're just, you know, we're just having fun. But I don't like it when people force me to not be able to listen to a show I like or force me to have to watch something that I don't like. But that's the mentality. When people have a mentality that if I don't like it, no one can partake of this, it is a wrong mentality. It is wrong. It's, it's self-seeking. Stay out of the self-seeking area. Judges is all about self-seeking. If you want to stay out of the dark ages of judges, stay out of self-seeking. If you like vegetables, glory to God. Eat all the vegetables you want. You know, the, one of the big things, you know, we've, we've had fun with this around church a number of times, but, you know, there's a, there's a handful of us who eat right and the rest of you eat wrong. But the handful of us, Alexis and I and Daryl, three of us in this room, but I think there's like four or five other. There's, there's, there's a, okay, yeah, right. She's not here right now, but, you know, there's some other people. We know how to eat food right. The rest of you don't do it right, but we don't make you eat it the way we do. We're perfectly content to let you do anything you want to. <laughs> well, we don't convert you. It's fine if you... My wife, she just gets in there and she... I think she just does it to aggravate me sometimes. She just mixes it all up. <laughs> hmm. Just mixes it all up and just puts it right there next to me and just enjoys herself, just eating it all. But, you know, they're doing better with me anymore. They just, they, they put stuff out there and they, you know, it doesn't touch and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, they'll ask me, do you want some of this? No, not right now. Why? Because it'll touch? Yes. <laughs> I'll come back and get it later. But, you see, we don't have to push these things on other people. I'm content that if you like your food mixed together, glory to God, have it all mixed together. But there are people who don't. And the reason they don't is because they are self Seeking. They are not seeking the good of others. They are seeking their own good. That's why everyone must do it my way. Because this is the right way. So everyone must do it my way. That's not right. That's not good. You know, I believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. But I'm not going to force anyone to do it. That's not right. They need to decide to do it. We don't force anybody to be that way. If you want to serve God, good. You've got a good reward coming ahead of you. If you don't, it's your choice. We don't force anybody to do it. But here are these people, self-seekers. As soon as they get somebody else, and Gael just comes on the scene. Hey, hey, but me instead of a biblock. Oh, okay. <laughs> and they go out, and they go out in the fields, and they get the grapes and the vineyards, and they tried them, and they made some wine, I guess, and they got married. Then Gael, the son of Ebed, said. Who is Abimelech and who is Shechem that we should serve him? Is he not son of Jeroboam and is not Zebu his officer? Serve the men of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for why should we serve him? If only this people were under my authority, then I would remove Abimelech. So he said to Abimelech, increase your army and come out. When Zebu, the ruler of the city, heard words of Gael, the son of Ebed, his anger was aroused. He was, he was a follower of Abimelech. 
And he sent messengers to Abimelech secretly, saying, Take note, Gael, the son of Ebed, and his brothers have come to Shechem. And here they are, fortifying the city against you. Now, therefore, get up by night, you and the people who are with you, and lie in wait in the field. And it shall be, as soon as the sun is up in the morning, that you shall rise early and rush upon the city. And when he and the people who are with you come out against you, you may then do to them as you find opportunity. So Abimelech and all the people who were with him rose by night and lay in wait against Shechem in four companies. When Gael, the son of Ebed, went out and stood in the entrance of the city gate, Abimelech and the people were, who were with him rose from lying in wait. And when Gael saw the people, he said to Zebu, Look, people are coming down from the tops of the mountains. But Zebu said to him, You see the shadows of the mountains as if they were men. So Gael spoke again and said, See, the people are coming down from the center of the land, and another company is coming from the diviner's terebinth tree. Boy, that's not good if you have one of those around. Then Zebu said to them, Where indeed is your mouth now with which you have said, Who is Abimelech that we should serve him? Are not these the people whom you despise? Go out, if you will, and fight with them now. So Gael went out leading the men of Shechem and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled from him, and many fell wounded to the very entrance of the gate. Then Abimelech dwelt in Aruma, and Zebu drove out Gael and his brothers so that they would not dwell in Shechem. So once they went out to fight against Abimelech, it didn't go so well for them. And when they came back, then the Zebu got them all out of the city as well. So they had no city to go to. They were out there in the field. It just wasn't a good situation. But again, this is how they treat people. There's no character there. Remember David and his men that he had, the 600 men and the 30 and the 3 and all that? Those folks, they would die for David. They were so loyal. Why? Because David was loyal to them. David showed character. And it came about on the next day that the people went out into the field and they told Abimelech. So he took his people, divided them into three companies and lay in wait in the field. And he looked and there were the people coming out of the city and he rose against them and attacked them. Then Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entrance of the gate of the city and the other two companies rushed upon all who were in the fields and killed them. So Abimelech fought against the city all that day. He took the city and killed the people who were in it and he demolished the city and sowed it with salt. Now when all the men of the tower of Shechem had heard that, they entered the stronghold of the temple of the god Berith. And it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. Then Abimelech went up to Mount Zalman he and all the people were with him. And Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bow from the trees and took it and laid it on his shoulder. And then he said to the people who were with him, What you have seen me do, make haste and do as I have done. So each of these people likewise cut down his own bow and brought Abimelech and followed Abimelech, put them against the stronghold and set the stronghold on fire above them so that all the people of the tower of Shechem died, about a thousand men and women. So they all took this big bunch of the branch from the tree and they all carried all these branches of the trees down. They set the branches on fire. Have you ever put live wood to fire? It burns. It brings in a lot of smoke too comes out of it. And so and it doesn't take long for it to burn. Don't have to dry out. You can burn live trees. I've burned them myself. And uh, they burn. They burn good. But you have to get the fire going. Once you get the fire going, they just keep on burning. And so they just set these things on fire and the smoke and the fire and all that rose up and it killed all the people that were in the tower. What was the prophecy? Well, it ended up being a prophecy. What was the parable? May fire come out of Abimelech. And that's what it did. Fire came out of Abimelech. Then Abimelech went to Thebes and he encamped against Thebes and took it. 
But there was a strong tower in the city and all the men and women, all the people of the city fled there and shut themselves in. This is a common thing in a lot of these cities. They had a tower, a stronghold tower they could hide up in if everything else failed. Fled there and shut themselves in and they went up to the top of the tower. So Abimelech came as far as the tower and fought against it and he drew near the door of the tower to burn it with fire. But a certain woman dropped an upper millstone in Abimelech's head and crushed his skull. Once again, we got a woman involved here. And <laughs> then he called quickly to the young man, his armor bearer, and, and said to him, draw your sword and kill me, lest men say of me, a woman killed me. <laughs> he didn't necessarily want that, but of course, that's what's going to end up being happening here. Uh, so apparently the woman saw him down there and threw the thing. And when he got hit, he looked up and he saw her. So uh, he knew that a woman dropped it and she knew that he, she hit somebody. Because you've been up in a high place and dropped something. I mean, you, and you watch it the whole way. See where it goes and what, it, what happens to it. We used to do that with water balloons. We'd be up in our, one of our windows and we had people going on and drop them right on down there. Then God repaid the wickedness of Abimelech when he had done his, to his father by killing his 70 brothers. And all the evil men of Shechem, uh, of Shechem got, returned on their own heads and on the same, on them came the curse of Jotham the son of Jeroboam. So they come after this city. It looks like it's all going well, but the, we're all held up in a tower. They drop the, the little uh, millstone and he dies. Once he's dead, the whole thing falls apart and it goes to town. We were, gave you the representations of the three trees that they came to and they said, you rule over us. The bramble was when they said they, they came to and he said, all right, I'll do it, but this, that, and the other thing. And he said fire would come out from the bramble and would... Uh, would destroy, or fire would come out from Abimelech and destroy Shechem, and fire would come out from Shechem and destroy Abimelech. There would be a self, a mutual destruction that went on. This is exactly what happened. Shechem was completely wiped out, as well as was Abimelech. And he actually set the tower in, on fire there in, in Shechem. But the bramble seems to also represent one other thing, and that is a, just a possibility here coming up. It may also represent our Antichrist. Because Antichrist is going to be selected to rule over for this treaty over Israel, over all the other things. And fire will come out from it to burn them. And vice versa. It will not, not be a good uh, relationship for either one in the end. I put this in the end here for, for you. Self-seeking in followers and leaders is never beneficial to either. Self-seeking in followers and leaders is never beneficial to either. When we have leaders who seek after their own good, their own riches, their own pot, their own fame, their own fortune, their own things that they want to do, it is not good for the country and it's not good for the country to seek after their own good. We cannot elect leaders that are just going to do what we want to do. So many in the government have said, well, as long as we you know, have these social programs and pay people, then they'll keep voting us in. And for some people, that's what they do. But we cannot seek after our own. It's the good that God has. What would God have us do? What would God have us do? We have to always be looking for the good of other people. If you do, the ill will stays out of your life. Ill will will come into your life if you bring in the self-seeking, if you bring in what is good for me, you'll lose your joy, you'll lose your peace, 
You'll lose your long-suffering. You lose the love of God that's on the inside of you. All these things begin to go away. And there's no riches that can replace all those things. A whole lot better to go through life joyful, at peace, knowing where you're going when this is all over. I mean, just the fact that we know where we're going when this is all over. That when we know what is ahead for us. Oh, how good is that? Doesn't it make life down here a whole lot better? I mean, there's days you can just go and, Father God, I thank you. My days down here are temporary. <laughs> and I've got something far better up there. I can't wait to get up there and to enjoy all that. But I'm going to be down here for as long as you want me to. Serving you. Helping you. Doing the things that you want me to do. I always tell you, this gives you perspective. Stay with that perspective. Keep the self-seeking out. Don't let this medium, don't let the politicians, don't let your peers, don't let the folks that you associate with, leaders, people at work, all that, don't let them sow into you an attitude of self-seeking. We need to be looking out after the good of other people. We need to be helping other people, praying for other people, loving other people. If you continue to go after God to get something to give to others, you will never run out of what you need. Make sure. Keep going after Him. Go after God. Instead of just going after God to get questions answered that you need, go after God to get questions answered that other people need. And you know what ends up happening? You're just going along minding your own business and all of a sudden, pop, answer. Oh, that's what I need to do. Wow. <laughs> oh, it'll be so good. Help you out in all the things you're doing. Whether it be school, whether it be work. Answers just come. Oh, that's how I can solve that problem. That's what I can do there. God will give you wisdom. You will soar above all the people that are around you. We just don't need to be out there for self-seeking purposes. Don't fall into that trap. This is what Judges is all about. You're going to see this theme all through the book of Judges. People just going after their own self-seeking. And it only gets worse. (laughs) It only gets worse. But glory to God. There are still people even in the book of Judges, who sought after God, who were godly. We saw one last week with Deborah. She was a godly woman, prophetess. Good things came out of her. Even in the midst of a terrible country, the situations were going on, there were still great people, still people who sought after God and were strong with it. No matter what our surroundings are, we can become great and strong and do wondrous things for God. Father God, we thank you for the help that you give us to stay out of this worldly attitude of self-seeking, to not let other people pull us into it by getting us to be grouped by the, into this group or that group or how much money we make or what kind of things we do. But Father, we seek after you. We seek after how we can help other people. And you just keep flooding us in with all sorts of good things. You keep us full. We thank you for it. We look forward to that time we have with you coming up. You prepared a place for us, a wonderful place. Oh, we are so looking forward to being in heaven. Can't even imagine what that would be like when we are around other people and there's no flesh, no sin nature to contend with. Just the beauty of other people as you created them. Oh, it's going to be a wonderful time. We look forward to it. But while we're down here, we're going to serve you all we can. We're going to keep that attitude that you want us to have. We thank you for Jesus' name we pray. Amen.